Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about High as Hope by Florence and the Machine, released in 2018 under Republic and Virgin Records. And my guest is Carrie. Carrie, you're back. I am, and I'm so excited. And it only took you 17 episodes to get here. So many. And quarantine to get you back. But um, for, for those of you who have been listeners of the pod for a while, Carrie, you were on episode five, which was our Blink-182 episodes. You were like one of the one of the OG pod crew members. I feel very honored to be a part of that group. And that was, what a fun day that was too. We did some day drinking. Tiff was here. Pod, pod guest Tiff was here. That was such a fun day. And days that I definitely miss now that uh, we're in quarantine. So what have you been doing? How have you been keeping busy? What's been going on with Carrie? I've been doing a lot of Netflixing and watching TV shows, as I think most people in the world are doing. What have you been Um, watching? Oh, well, you got me watching Dead to Me, which I powered through season one of, which was fantastico. Um, I've been watching, I've gone to like back in like American Horror Story. So I've been watching like all of that anthology. I'm almost done Freak Show. Gotcha. And what have you been listening to in quarantine? You sent me the most amazing quarantine summer isolation playlist, which definitely makes me makes me feel like I'm, you know, living a summer day, even when I'm stuck in my condo working all day. Oh yeah. No, I hear you on that. It's yeah. Just a lot of like beach boys, like things that are like really so much beach boys, so much, so much beach boys. Like just wouldn't it be nice to be out of quarantine? (laughs) Anything, anything that could be like anything that will end this suffering. (laughs) I'm just, I cannot wait for it to be over so that we can be in the same room again. We can listen to some Blink-182, maybe Enema the State, maybe take off your pants and jacket. Oh, so good. We'll so good. There. We'll get there one day soon. I'm one keeping day. my fingers crossed. But until then, until we can be in the same room, Carrie, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast, coming on via Zoom. Yep. So nice to see your face. You look beautiful. For anyone who is listening and can't <laughs> see Carrie, she looks gorgeous as usual. So just an update, just an update for everybody out there. <laughs> and Care, we're talking about Florence the Machine today. Yeah. Huge record, huge artist, so pumped. Um, so before we talk about the album, High as Hope, why don't we talk a little bit about Florence and the Machine and how they came to be? Florence and the Machine are a British pop rock band fronted by the incredibly talented magical human Florence Welch, and they formed in 2007. The band started as a passion project between Florence and her friend Isabella Summers, who was nicknamed The Machine, hence the band name Florence and the Machine. Very. Fun fact for you, Carrie, because I did not know. I that. had no idea. I always wondered about the name, and now we have an answer. Isabella Summers is the machine, and Florence is the Florence. The band has undergone several lineup changes and additions over the years, but currently the rest of the roster includes Robert Ackroyd, Chris Hayden, and Mark Saunders. Their debut album was called Lungs. It was released in 2009, and the biggest single there was Dog Days Are Over, which, you know what it reminds me of? Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. Because it was in the trailer. And I remember that was the first time I heard it. It was like Julia Roberts going and doing all these cool things and like hooking up with, who is it? Javier Bardem? I can't remember who it is. Yes. Is it Javier Bardem? Yeah, yeah. 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 And it was all like... I'm not praying, but... <laughs> she was doing a lot of eating, a lot of loving, yeah. a lot of not loving. a whole lot of praying. praying. <laughs> we need a different verb. <laughs> 
So dog, dog Days was a huge song, but this album also housed a lot of other hits like Drumming Song, Cosmic Love, You've Got the Love, and Kiss with a Fist. Florence has been very open about her personal struggles in her songs, including her alcohol addiction, her eating disorder as a teen, as well as very painful breakups, which was very prominent on her third record, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. The album we're talking about today, which is their fourth album, Highest Hope, was released in June 2018, and it is Florence's second album after she got sober. The singles here were Sky Full of Songs, Hunger and Patricia. The album title, here's another fun factoid for you. The album title comes from a poem that Florence wrote in which she says, heady with pagan worship of water towers, firescapes, ever reaching high as hope. Oh, I know. Such a beautiful verse, but I'm just like, she's just, again, she's a magical, ethereal human angel person. And so for that to just like come out of her mind and like suddenly appear onto paper, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. She's such a poet. So the album was met with varied levels of enthusiasm by critics, some applauding her for stripping down to the bare bones of her music and lyrics, others thinking she played it too safe compared to the very rousing, loud, boisterous nature of some of her past albums. But the album was a very intimate gift to her fans and they responded well. It sold 40,000 copies in its first week and it debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 chart. Overall, Florence and the Machine has won Brit Awards, been nominated for six, count them, six Grammys, including Best Pop Vocal Album and Best New Artist, and they headlined Glastonbury in 2019, where Florence was the first female headliner in this century. What? Huge deal. That is... Monumental. That's huge. If to do like the whole Glastonbury Fest one day. I agree. We remember we were going to go, we were going to go this year. We were, we like had it in the plans. We're like, we're like, we should just go to Glastonbury. Could you imagine? Yeah, I <laughs> All know. That, that airfare. Clearly the universe had, had, had better plans for us, but still, well, not better plans. Let's not get carried away, but like other plans. It, it, knew. it knew. It was like, this is not the year. 2020 is not the year. Maybe 2021. We'll see. We'll see Maybe. how it goes. Carrie, what is the cocktail we're drinking today? We are drinking a Florence. A Florence. Right? A Flo- yeah, sorry. No, I thought you were going to say a Florence cocktail. So I was oh. waiting. I was waiting for the full thing. You and then you were like, just start with cock and then like <laughs> sentence. But I just ended it early. You just got there quicker. You were yeah. like, we're drinking a Florence. We're drinking a Florence. Cocktail. Ellipsis. Yeah. Carrie and I are drinking a Florence. <laughs> and why are we drinking it a Florence cocktail? It actually sounds really weird when we say <laughs> drinking Florence. Sorry. Um, we're drinking a Florence cocktail. Florence cocktails. And we're drinking Florence cocktails because obviously paying homage to the lovely Florence Welch. And uh, it's something that you and I have never had before. It's also something that requires grappa, which neither of us used, but that's okay because we've developed a substitute for you all. And I will share that with you. So basically what you need is one and a half shots of either grappa, or you can use cognac, or you can use a brandy. Carrie and I decided to choose a brandy and it is working out quite well. Then you will need three quarter shots of triple sec, three quarter shots of lemon juice, lemon juice. Wow, I've messed up on the word lemon juice. That's interesting. I, <laughs> the drink gets you. Oh yeah, it hits you real hard. I think it was the, the one and a half shots of brandy that I just threw right in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll also need a quarter shot of sugar syrup. I'm using simple syrup, which is literally just one part water, one part sugar. Super easy for you to make in your own home. And you can add lemon to garnish if you want, but we didn't do that. We don't, you don't need it. No. Sometimes, no. much like this Florence record, you ready for the segue? Much like this Florence record, sometimes you don't need all the bells and whistles. You just need Florence. Cheers. Lovely. <laughs> okay, Carrie, before we get into talking about some of the songs we love off of this record, how did you start listening to Florence and the Machine in the first place? Well, 
Good question, Kiara. Uh, so I started listening to Florence in, I believe, like my fourth year of university. Um, I actually heard Kiss with a Fist while I was watching Jennifer's Body. It, comes it up. is in Jennifer's Body. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's 100% in that movie. And I was like, this song is fantastic. Can we so, also just take a moment? I'm oh, sorry to interrupt you, but can we take no. a moment to talk about how Megan Fox has not aged? No, she hasn't. Like she's like Benjamin Buttoning. Like she looks like better almost now than she did in Jennifer. She just did a, a, video, a music video with Machine Gun Kelly. And like, I'm like- Dating now or something? I don't I know. I think they're dating now. That's what I heard through the grapevine. I couldn't believe she was dating someone from like 90210. I don't know, man. I'm like full on TMZing my life up too in this Well, form. you have to. What else are we supposed to do? I spend so much time on Instagram. My screen time is like insane. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. We, let's not talk about it. But anyways, so Megan Fox looks great. Jennifer's body, hilarious movie. Such a funny movie. Funny movie. Uh, no, so I, uh, yeah, was watching the movie, heard the song and was like, this is fantastic. And this was like, I still had a flip phone at that time. So nothing was like easily searchable. So I remember literally writing on paper the song. The lyrics. The lyrics, so I could Google it later. And I was like, this is fantastic. And then, yeah, I came across um, Florence and the Machine that way. And I ended up downloading a bunch of like random like demos before the album came out. And then I got the album and then it was like, I was in love. It's all over. Yeah. It's all over. Done. Done. Quick question. What kind of a flip phone did you have? (laughs) I definitely had the free bell one and it was baby blue. The free bell one. What does that mean? It was like, like, it was like a ghetto, like, I don't know, probably like 50 inches thick. It was for free though? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I got That's amazing. I love it. So I think, so mine is kind of a similar trajectory. I would say the first song I heard by Florence and the Machine was Dog Days Are Over, as I mentioned from Eat, Pray, Love or <laughs> Eat, Pray, something. We don't know. Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't think I really listened to Lungs so much as I listened to Ceremonials. Like Ceremonials was the first album, which I believe was their second one. Came out like 2011-ish. Yep. I was in Sweden. You were in Sweden. During that time. I was so happy it came out. Is Florence big in Sweden? No. I just, I was like waiting for her next album. Oh, it was you. You was like, oh, thank God. Well, when everything is darkness, felt very much like quarantine. And I was like, I need something. Something to bring the light to my world of no light, no light. Oh, good connection. A plus, A plus Florence the Machine reference. Although I don't know if the people of Sweden are going to be too happy that you (laughs) compared their country to quarantine. (laughs) You're like the whole country is like being in isolation. So fucking dark. Well, until summer and then it's fantastic. Six months out of the year, it sucks. I mean, it's a beautiful country. I love it. I'd go back in a heartbeat in the summer. Home of the Skarsgårds. Oh, yes. Bill. Alexander. Peter. Yeah, beautiful. I thought I thought all of Sweden was going to be like that. It is sadly not. They don't all look like scars guards over there. No, that's no. too bad. That's such a shame. Dark and scars guard less. Wow. Okay, moving on. It's a lovely country. <laughs> lovely country up there in Sweden. So, anyways, f- so for me, listen to ceremonials um, and big banger. So you already mentioned no light, no light, but shake it off was on that record, and never let me go is my favorite song off that record. And then High as Hope was one of those records that like just kind of came to me because I feel like I, I kind of fell off a little bit between Ceremonials and High as Hope, like How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. I actually listened to 
after High as Hope came out. Like I went back and like, it was like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot that she had an album in between. And I totally like, I listened to the singles, but that was it. So when High as Hope came out, I think it just like really pulled me in. It kind of just grabbed me. It was like, I remember it being like a Sunday and I was just on my phone and I just happened to see that it got released. And I was just like, oh, this looks like it'll be good. So I just bought it because it's Florence. Like I know she'll always deliver. And I just fell in love. Like that first song, like June is the opening track off the record. And I just like, her voice comes in and it's just so like, it just sucks you right in. You know, it's entrancing. Like she, she's a witch and she just like puts a spell on you in the best possible way. It's so like, I don't know. You feel like you're in this like very intimate relationship with Florence in this moment. Like she's just like letting you in on a secret. And if you are stupid enough to walk away from it, like you're going to miss everything. It's like absolutely haunting, hauntingly beautiful, hauntingly beautiful. Exactly. Um, and what I really love about her specifically, like I think what feeds into all that is the fact that her lyrics are so poetic. Like we, we called her a poet right off the top here. Like she's so complex in the way that she writes, but yet it's so relatable because she pulls in all these like very specific references. Um, like she'll name, you know, in one of the songs, South London Forever, she like name drops a bar that she used to go to called the Joiner's Arms. And she talks about her sister, whose name is Grace. Like she, she goes in and she's very specific, but yet the idea is relatable. So like you can sing along and you could still feel like there's parts of your life that can relate back to it. And I'm like, that's really impressive that she can do that because it is a very intimate part of her and she is sharing these secrets about herself. It's just like you said, like so relatable to the point that it's like, even though it's her unique experience, it's a universal theme. And Carrie, you and I have actually seen her twice together. We went both times to see her together in Toronto, once at the ACC and once at Budweiser stage, which was just last summer. Yeah, yeah. Remember going to concerts and how we didn't have to be inside all the time? It's such a distant, distant past. And her seeing her live, I feel like is such a magical experience because she really like throws herself into every performance. And she's described being on stage as like getting this incredible high from from performing and being able to connect with people on a level that's like above just regular communication, you know, like saying things through song and having people relate to it is so important. And so it's such a magical experience. And like, you feel that radiating from her. Yeah, you can you can feel like just her energy. It's infectious. Even just like the simplicity of her of her dresses, like they're just so flowy and and free. Like I find those experiences, like the few times, like the the few the two times we have gone and seen her, they're just very like cathartic. She emotes so beautifully and just free, and you as an audience just kind of tap into that. And and she really encourages like connecting with other people in the audience too, right? And and like connecting with her first and foremost, but like, it's almost like a spiritual thing. Like that's what I felt like being there and like being at Budweiser stage and like just watching her and having the confetti fall and just seeing her like on her knee, like she's down on her knees on stage, like singing her heart out. And she's like giving like, I can imagine how drained she is after a show because she leaves everything out there. Oh my God. I'd see her again in a heartbeat. Like, oh, same. I also remember that day you got hit on like three times. Oh, it was a a good day for me. Like walking to the venue. I was like, just like one guy after another. I was like, oh, am I? One of them was driving a rickshaw and I was really hoping we could get a free ride home later, but (laughs) did not happen. Okay. So Carrie, we've got a lot to talk about on this record. Why don't we start by talking about the songs that we love? So what's the first one you want to talk about? I think I want to talk about Patricia. Just because I love Patricia. (laughs) So good. So why do you love Patricia? I feel like it also really reminds me of the song Delilah from her previous record. And I love That's a very similar vibe. And so off the bat, I was like, definitely 
I don't know, like more and more like inclined towards this song, but it's just like beautiful. And there's one line in particular that always fucking gets me. And so she says, with your big heart, you praise God, God above, but how's that working out for you, honey? Do you feel loved? And I don't know, like it, that lyric, it's like, fuck yeah. I'm like ready to go. I love that song. Just like the quiet and then the beat drop. I don't know. This, the song is beautiful. And then when I found out it was like an homage to Patti Smith, I was like, you're like, I get it. Cause that was the thing. Once you knew like Grace was about her sister and like, it's a lot about family. I was like, who is Patricia? And then I Googled it and I was like, this makes sense. This makes a lot of sense. It's like really cool because like Patti Smith is fantastic in her own right. And it's kind of cool to see like another female artist that I think so highly of honoring someone before her who was such a movement in the scene who's also a poet just like very cool incredibly cool I think this I think this song like I think it's a great song to start the conversation off with too because it represents a lot of what I love about this album because she she plays with many different themes throughout the whole album but even within like within the song so when we saw her live and we saw her play Patricia she said this is a song for my friend Patti Smith except for the really angry bit in the middle so the angry bit in the middle is the lyric you referred to the like, how's it working out for you, honey? Like that part, because she's like screaming at like a man. But I, but that's, it's so true. I love that. I love that it was like uh, a woman being inspired by another woman and paying tribute to this per- to this person who has paved the way for not only other women, but for, for men and people in the music scene and artists everywhere. And I thought that that was amazing. I think too, it showcases a lot of her vocal range and her riffs because there's a, there's a part in there and I'm not going to emulate it because on a good day, I'm really bad at singing on the pod. On a day where I've had some of this brandy, I'm like, it's going to be bad. And trying to copy Florence's vocal styling is next near impossible. But there's a line where she goes like, it's the, I believe her, I believe her bit. And she does like an, I believe her, but it kind of like trills like all over the place. And then it goes into the chorus. I'm like, how is that possible? I mean, she's a outrageously talented musician, but like her vocals are insane. And that's another thing. When we talk about going to the concerts, like, her vocals, when I heard her and then I heard her speak, her her like speaking voice, hello everyone, I want everyone to hold hands. Like so like angelic and sweet and uh, delicate, delicate I think would be a good, like she has a delicate voice, a very yeah. delicate dance. And then she sings and you're like, who the fuck is that? Like, it's just like this being emerges from her body and yeah. it's insane. Florence is like a little like fairy person. I think that's perfect. Like she is, she's very like, she's very like this like fae being. Yes. Living her pagan lifestyle, like living that best pagan world, dancing. I see her dancing through woods. Yeah. She's got like flower crowns on before Carol Baskin ruined it. Fuck Carol Baskin, bad bitch. Bad bitch, Carol Baskin. I'll never financially recover from this. The Tiger King memes are out of control. So one of my favorite parts of the song is at the very end when she says, um, you remind me that it's such a wonderful thing to love. Because at the end of the day, like she's pissed off because she's been getting ghosted or because some man has ruined her life or she went through this like really shitty breakup or somebody treated her badly. But above all else, what Patti Smith taught her is that love is a beautiful thing. And even though sometimes it might not end in the ways that you were hoping, it was still great that you had that experience. And you should still be grateful for that experience and grateful for the love to share with somebody else. And so like to end it on such a positive note after that little like angry, angry little bit in the middle, um, I thought was really smart. And then it just, as a listener, it was kind of like a nice appeasement. It was kind of like a, okay. It kind of goes through uh, or goes back to um, even like Patti Smith, like she fought for her place. And it's kind of like, even when you get beat down by like the male dominated, like she like rocked it and like 
the male dominated punk scene, right? And if you don't kind of keep kind of fighting for the dreams you have or fighting for love, regardless of the hits you take in the past, you don't ever get to have that moment of hope and that moment of the future because some things don't always come easy. So it's even like, I believe, and then you'll see that success if you keep going for it. Don't shy away from the challenges in your life. You tell you're an English major. Look at you just... (laughs) Just being able to spew out these beautiful sentences. Meanwhile, the word lemon comes up and I'm like, (laughs) I am not an English major, but I try my best. You're an English major to me. Thank you. Okay. Love Patricia. Great way to start it. Because of like the energy behind Patricia, I feel like I want to keep going with that energy and I want to talk about Hunger. Ooh, yes. So Hunger was a single. It was a big song. I love the video. And what I really like is I did some research on this song in particular, and there's a quote that I found from Florence, which I thought was really interesting, which I wanted to share, where she said that this song is a celebration of how much I see young people changing things like, quote unquote, no, I don't want to look this way. They're so switched on and engaged, and they're not going to be told how they should look or behave. I was really lost when I was a teenager. I was confused and sad, so I feel really inspired by the young women I see today. And in this song, it's when she does talk about her eating disorder. Like the opening lyric is, at 17, I started to starve myself. I thought that love was a kind of emptiness. For her, she's looking at the youth of today and she was just like, damn, like these bitches know what they're doing. Like, like even me sometimes, I feel like I look like, and not that like we are old by any means, but like, I'll look at, you are not. Don't give me that look. (laughs) Don't don't give me that look, Carrie. God damn it. If you were- Flip phone. (laughs) I had a flip phone too. Just maybe like a little, like I was just younger. That's all. I miss the flip phone though. I miss the like dramatics of like shutting a call down. It's like, I told you no, Karen, slap. (laughs) (laughs) I do miss the flip phones. Flip phones, I bet you flip phones will come back. Oh, I hope they do. Think about it. Shoulder pads, mom jeans, chokers. Airways came back. Tearaways. Tearaways can come back. Kappa, Kappa came back. No one asked for it, but it came back. It did. Pray Kappa. Eat, pray, Kappa. Eat, pray, love too. Eat, pray, Kappa. Too fast, too Kappa. (laughs) But anyways, what I like, so what I like most about Hunger 2 is that even though it starts off with her talking about her eating disorder and like very literally relating to the theme of hunger, she's also expressing that hunger comes in many ways. So maybe it's like you're hungry for, you know, succession in your career. Like you really want to drive your career forward, or maybe you're hungry for love or for affection from another people. And that's why she says like, we all have a hunger. Like there's something in us that's driving us forward and, and motivating us to do all of these things. And she does also talk about like, trying to find love in other ways. So she says, I thought that love was in the drugs, but the more I took, the more it took away. I thought that love was on the stage, giving yourself to strangers. She's trying to appease her own hunger by doing all these things that she thinks is going to make her happy and fill that void. And then her realizing that, you know what, maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe this is, this isn't what it is and that's okay, but I want to keep searching for it. And then again, the hunger comes back. It's like, it's cyclical. You really feel throughout this record, like she's, reflecting on her past, but she's still kind of trying to like go on this journey of self-discovery, still figuring out what is filling that void. Where is her? And I mean, like I've like, I'm still currently experiencing it. Right. Like, and this is where I think like, even from our beginning where we were talking about, even though the record is so personal, it's still relatable because it's, we all yearn for something. It's such like the hunger within all of us is such a great equalizer. We all have something we're longing for. And when we have a void, we try to fill it somehow with whatever it may be at that time that's convenient or that maybe society dictates we should be filling it with. Have you seen the video for the song? And it's a great video and I, I really think everyone should check it out. Okay. I'm putting I'm I'm putting it on my list. Put it she's taking out a pen. She's doing it. She's writing a list down. What is another song you love, Carrie? 
So I really love Big God. Same. Love it. And this, I have seen the music video for, which is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous video. Uh, no, I freaking love this song. Because like things like Hunger, I really like because it was like poppy and fun. Um, and like kind of reminded me more of like quintessential Florence in a way. Like it's poppier than some of her other hits, but like kind of was like that, that like high energy. Yeah. For Big God, like, geez. She goes so in. She does. And it's just like guttural. Like there's even just a difference in how her vocalization throughout this piece is like, oh my God, I feel like come from like her chest. Like she's singing from the upper ranges of her body out. Like this is so deep in the gut. This is like pure animalistic base, human instinct, like animal. Like it's fantastic. I freaking love it. The lyrics are great. It's definitely uh, at a lower register too than her normal, her normal tracks. Yeah. And her, um, I mean like even at the end, the like choking, like uh, that she does, like it's powerful. Even the wording is great. Like she, I wrote some of the lines down. So it's like, you keep me up at night to my messages. You do not reply. You, you know, know I-, I still love you the most. Best, best of the, the best and the worst of the worst. Well, you can never know the places that I go. I still like you the most. You'll always be my favorite. Favorite ghost. Like even that line is beautiful because it's like taking ghosting to a new level. And I mean, I definitely have uh, ghosts in my past who still like haunt me. And like every now and then you reach out and or they reach out and then you're like, oh, hey, yeah. Like, and then just like disappear again. You're like, what? So can I clarify? So when you're, when you interpret the ghost the ghost thing, like in this song, do you think of it as like ghosts in your past, like p- like people you've actually known, or I interpret it like hinge dating app ghosting? I think it's yeah, and okay. that, but like the part to me that makes me think it's like almost a little bit more consistent. It's like someone you're more like in touch with. Is that like I still like you the most? So it's like there are people like I know I've dated that I, for whatever reason, they you you can absolutely hate them. And then you can also really like care about them. It like, it flips your switch and they kind of stay with you where you might reconnect with them for a bit. And it, it, they just kind of always haunt you from behind. But like, definitely like, I'm pretty sure I read in an interview or something that he'd like left her on red. Carl, on don't even, don't even talk to me about being left on red. But that's like crazy, but it's so poetic. Like you can interpret however you want, which is great. But again, like, I feel like we've hit that theme of like filling a void and it's, um, it's just, like beautiful even um what other line did I like though I know I should know better well I can make this work it's like convincing yourself that you can keep going back like you know the situation and it's like against all logic we succumb to the pain with the promise of what if my whole thing with this song is about online dating that's how I interpreted it when I did my research I was looking on genius and she said how like you mentioned it's about an unfillable hole in my soul, but also not someone responding to my text. It, it's like that like last last straw, like straw that broke the camel's back type deal. To me, it's also kind of like sarcastic in a way. And I don't know if that's necessarily the intent, but like when she says like, you need a big God big enough to hold you up, big enough to feel, feel your love or whatever. I can't remember what the lyric is. It's kind of like, to me, it's her being like, oh, big, strong man, like not good enough to text me back. Like you need yourself a big God, like not good enough for a small God. Like, I don't know. That's just how I picture it in my head. And I think the most honest line is right at the end where she says, um, like, is it, is this all just part of the process? Cause Jesus Christ, it hurts. That's online dating to a T. 
Right. And that's, and, and that's where I really related to this song because I remember when I first started going on like the online dating apps and I was struggling with it because I was like, I don't like this feeling. Like it's, it kind of sucks to reach out to somebody or to like somebody. And then they don't, they don't, you don't match. Like they don't like you back. Or like maybe you send the first message and they don't respond or they take like three days to respond. And then it's just like, you start questioning everything. And so when she says, is this all just part of the process? Cause Jesus Christ, it hurts. I'm like, yeah, girl, it does. Like it fucking sucks. But everybody was just like, it's just the motions that you kind of have to go through when you're in online dating, unfortunately. So I, um, that's for me kind of how I interpreted the song. But also like the composition of the song is also really strong. It's a very majestic vibe. The brass, like the horn sections is amazing. Like it all just kind of comes in at the end at the like shower your affections, let it rain on me. It all just builds up to this huge moment. And I love that. Huge, huge song. You'll always be my favorite ghost. So beautiful. How can like, she makes it sound so good when I complain, like when I text you and I complain that somebody ghosted me again, it does not sound this good. She's a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Florence. I'm also running low on the drink front. How are you doing? I'm done. Do you need a refill? Yes. Okay. So I think the next one that I want to talk about is going to be Sky Full of Song. First of all, the thing that I have to bring up off the top with this song is there is a video and I need everybody to watch it. Carrie, I don't know if you've seen it. She was at a Spotify event in Brooklyn, Florence, and the band. Florence and the Machine. The band was at a Spotify event in Brooklyn on a rooftop. They're playing the song. And as they're playing, this like major storm starts rolling through and the wind gets like ridiculous. The guy on the harp is like holding onto his harp for dear life because it's like getting pushed away by the wind. It's raining, all of that. She she basically summons this magical storm and sings through it. She's like holding onto the mic, singing Sky Full of Song. The whole band is like, what is happening? Like, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just the magic of Florence and the Machine. Honestly, like when you say she summons a storm, like I don't, I don't doubt it. I love the chorus in this song. You're writing it down. <laughs> She's got her Sharpie. She's writing because I'll forget. <laughs> no, I know you will. I know you forget. I also think that the chorus in this song is so strong. So the chorus in the song is the whole like, grab me by my ankles. I've been flying for too long. Couldn't hide from the thunder or a sky full of song. Those couple sentences in there have riffs that like I can't even, that I could only dream of being able to do with my very, very limited vocal ability. It's like everywhere. Like it's she, like it, the chorus is like all encompassing. It's everywhere. It's amazing. And I think the song alludes very nicely as well to her, her desire to want to perform for others and how much she loves performing for others, but also how draining it is. She says, I can tell that I'm in trouble when that music starts to play. And I'm like, girl, same, because some of the, like, I haven't lived a very wild life, but some of the like, quote unquote, crazier nights of my life or some of the more like fun and memorable nights of my life have come from nights where I've been at live shows. Because to me, it's like, I get so jazzed up on like seeing somebody perform where I'm just like, oh, I'm going to have another drink or I'm going to go talk to this person. Like it like fills up my soul in a way that I cannot describe. She can't stay away from that as much as it drains her. And as much as it maybe doesn't fill that, that void that she thought it would, she can't stay away from performing. She cannot stay away from the music. And so no matter what it is in your life that you're drawn to, you're always going to be drawn to those things and nobody can take that away from you. And I think that that's pretty amazing. I agree. I really, for whatever reason, like I really like the whole, like, I thought I was flying, but maybe I'm dying tonight. Kind of the juxtaposition between this beauty of like freedom, but then also kind of like the cost associated with like too much. You float. Like the way she, the way her vocals move is so airy. And it's just like, it feels like for me, like you're riding a, you're riding like an air current 
Like you're flying with her. It's beautiful. What I also wrote in my notes in all capitals was harp action, period. Crazy <laughs> harp action. And it's true. There is some crazy harp action in this song. Yes, I, w- I will agree with you. Although the image to me has like, I don't know, like, like a mullet and just it's like paradise for the dashboard light but like on harp i just imagine the guy then like okay i gotta go now and just like try to wheel that instrument off stage uh okay carrie is there another song that you love you want to talk about end of love same. same i love it beautiful beautiful song uh i think i wrote the music is so gorgeous <laughs> like 12 <laughs> o's up in there it's like half my page um <laughs> And then I said, it makes me feel like I'm falling backward in a dream. Like even just that, um, and I know, I know there's the allusion to her grandmother and, and the balcony. Which she but, talks about in ceremonials as well. Um, which is like very powerful. And, and you can tell there's like that whole, uh, the family being pulled from the flood. So you, you can imagine all like the family trauma that's going around with that, the feelings that you have to deal with. You can tell there's like the weight of the tragedy that has the, they're trying to swim against in a way. It's just like the ripple effects. Even in her music, you feel the ripple effect of it. And you just kind of, I don't know, I constantly feel like this. The, the listeners can't hear it, but I can't articulate the, the backward, the the backward motion. The, the arms are waving and you can't find the ground. And it's just like, I don't yes. know. It makes me think of that. It's beautiful. It feels very baptismal. Like the wash away, wash away. Letting go of the things that she held on to to fill that sense of emptiness. And like that you're reaching in the dark, trying to like stabilize yourself on whatever you can get a hold of, but you're not really addressing the issue of like, you need to turn the lights on. It's so beautiful. Yeah. There's an illusion though. I don't quite get. And I've like been racking my brain for like the whole week prepping for this. Is it? Trying to figure it out. Is it the Joshua bit? Yes. Joshua down from the mountain with a tablet in his hand. I'm like, so the 10 commandments, like what are we, what are we talking about here? I feel the same way about that part, but I love that part because hit me again. Yeah. <laughs> like Joshua, what the heck? No, I so I feel the same way. I I think that part comes in and it's like she says, Joshua came down from the mountain with a tablet in his hands, told me that he loved me, and then he ghosted me again. And that amidst all the family stuff was yeah. like, wait, but you know what? I've also come to accept it because with Patricia, she takes that detour in the song where she's like, I'm going to talk about some son of a bitch who didn't reply to my text. You know what I mean? Like she just, she takes, she takes these detours in her songs to just like tell another little story, a little anecdote on the side. And I think that's what this little Joshua line is about. So maybe it's, maybe it's amidst all of this dysfunctional family drama that she's dealing with that she's like, and on top of that, yeah, get, get this Joshua. Joshua ghosted me. And and I mean, like, I guess even if you bring that into it, like, I mean, how many tangents have we gone on, right? So sometimes you get stuck on something and then you're like, we're going to talk about eat, pray, love again. That has no relevance to what we're talking about. <laughs> eat, pray, and love. God damn it, Joshua. This man who's coming down from the mountain, who's like, like I mean, Joshua's went up there with Moses. I think of like when the people bring the Ten Commandments out, it's like, this is how you're going to dictate how you'll live your life. And like, yeah. this is how you structure. Yeah. And then goes me again like what i i, I have no start i'm i'm reaching in the dark a flood's washing away me and the family and then you don't have the decency to reply to me <laughs> bitch even then like he comes out with a tablet and i was like i know what the tablet is but also an ipad 
just going to say, the first time I heard this song, and I think it's because of the generation we live in now where we live in a world with tablets, but like <laughs> the first time I heard it and she's like, he came down with a tablet in his hand. I was like, I was literally like, oh, he's got an iPad mini. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I just have like, the best visual of me because like when I get ready in the morning, I have my iPad and I'm watching shows because like that's how I prep for my life. And yeah. I'm just walking everywhere with my iPad. I guarantee you, any of the younger generation, first thing they would have thought of. 100%. They'd be like, Joshua comes down from the mountain with a Microsoft Surface. <laughs> <laughs> Does he also have the corresponding pen? Is he going to write you a love line? Is he going to draw you like one of his French girls? Like, come on, Joshua. <laughs> I also, I think her talking about her grandmother's death and how that impacted her family. And when I was doing my research, there's an interview I read where she was talking about the line about, um, we were a family pulled from the flood. You tore the floorboards up and let the river rush in. In this interview, she talks about how there's this like old family myth where she had family living in Texas and her like ancestor, whoever it was, I can't remember if it was like a great uncle or a great, great, great grandfather or something like that. But he was a, like a sea captain. And his whole thing was in order to prevent a ship from sinking in the eye of a storm, you, you tear the floorboards up because it'll actually let the water run through it as opposed to bringing it down. Oh, so when she's talking about that, she's alluding to this family tragedy or this alleged family tragedy that happened years ago, but then relating it back to her grandmother's passing. And then how in order for you to kind of get through a tragedy, it's not necessarily by being sucked under it. It's by going through it. And so what I thought was interesting too, is when she, when she goes back to this story about her, her family living in Texas at the time, or her ancestors living in Texas, there was an actual flood that ripped through their town. And the only reason their house stayed intact was because, this sea captain relative of hers was like, no, we got to tear up the floorboards and we got to let the water rush through. That is fantastic. Isn't that fantastic? I was like, I got goosebumps reading that. I was like, I like literally was like, whoa. Yeah. uh, Unbelievable. So I, I, I love that. I love that she incorporated all of that into this song. It's so like soul bearing how vulnerable she can be. Uh, there's a line in there where she says, I've always been in love with you. Could you tell it from the moment that I met you? Like, where she's just like, man, like, I love you so much. And it's so obvious, but yeah. like, damn it, Joshua. Like, I know <laughs> you and your iPad mini <laughs> fucked me over. Okay. So I think the next one I want to talk about, Ooh, oh my God, there's just, there's so many that I love. Honestly, the next one I want to talk about, it's between two for me, but I think I'm going to go with South London forever. So this song for those of you who maybe haven't heard the record, but Lord Lawrence, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Just take another drink, Kiara. take another drink. I mean, is that going to, are we going to get more Lawrence's after that drink? Eat we are going to talk about Lawrence. Eat Pray Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence Fishbourne? Oh God, no. For those of you who haven't heard the song, basically, <laughs> what were you going to say? I just got like a, a major like matrix moment. That's what I was going for. Was Red like, pill, blue pill. Yeah. Elon Musk. Oh, don't, fuck. <laughs> I can't even like what do you want to name your child it's like well i'm just gonna smash my head on the keyboard and this is what came out (laughs) but like what do you even what do you even call that kid as like a nickname do you call it 12 do you call it x do you call it like what do you call it in my tmzing something like ash came up and then i was like i don't know is he gonna catch them all like (laughs) (laughs) it was all just like this whole big workaround because elon musk and grimes are huge pokemon fans oh my god middle name that they didn't reveal is pikachu (laughs) <laughs> XA12 Professor Oak Musk. 
Okay, sorry, we're going to go back. So Florence Welch, she's from South London. This song to me is an ode to her hometown. It's an ode to the place she grew up in and the streets that that she used to walk. It's incredibly nostalgic and it touches as well on her past addictions with alcohol. Um, And she was a drug user. Like she talks about dropping E and all of that, but she doesn't dismiss it. She talks about how it's a part of who she is and uh, who she was at the time. And it's kind of built her into the person that she's become today. It reminds me of like being really young and being in those moments where maybe you're in your hometown, maybe you're in a different place, but you, you feel so invincible. You're with like a group of friends that you've known for like your whole life or like, and you're like drunk as fuck. And you're just like, like for me, it would be like drunk on the fuck, drunk on the fuck, drunk on the fuck. You know what? We're coining that. It reminds me of when I would go back and visit my hometown in university, like at Christmas or at summers and stuff. And I would be like with my high school friends who I'd literally like grown up with. And we would just be like belligerent on the streets of Oakville, which was not a wild time. But it like, it was, I did feel, I felt that invincibility though that she alludes to in this song, 100%. I still think back to like first experiences in university or even like when Tiffany and I would meet up past podster Tiffany after like coming home from like school or something. And in the summer, like just walking down in Mississauga to like Streetsville area where we would like grab a drink and then like listen to one earbud in my ear, one in hers and singing like on the like walk home drunk as fuck. And like, just like invincible. My last point that I wrote down in my notes, which I think you'll appreciate is uh, I wrote down nostalgia is the greatest human weakness second only to the neck. Remember, because the office. Fucking Dwight. That is one of my favorite, like, office quotes ever. Oh, my God. So I was just going to say, because I'm not going to lie, spoiler alert for anybody who's going to listen into the rest of the pod, but I don't actually have any songs I don't like. Are you in the same boat? Yeah. I literally wrote as, like, the the heading on my, my, like, little Microsoft Word document, songs I'm slightly less enthused with. I love them. And like, it was so, it was so hard to even put anything under that title. And I really had to be like, I don't know, like gun to my head, which song do I have to play next? Because it just like, it didn't feel right. But it it kind of, but it's like, it's not wrong if it feels so right. It's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna make it anyway. Carrie, you know what, you know what this means? It is time to play. No. (laughs) So. How the podcast works is Carrie's going to offer up her closing statements and give a rating on the album out of five Florence cocktails. And then I will offer up my closing thoughts on the album and I will give a rating out of five cocktails. So I think, um, I think you can tell I'm going to give it a good rating since we got like nothing on the, like on the low side. Um, I love this album. It's the theme of hope throughout the entirety of it has kind of even given us hope in this like time of, of just like unpredictability and the unknown of what's going to happen. It's like this beautiful, like homage to hope. So I'm giving it a 4.5 out of five Florence drinks. Oh, damn. Okay. I was expecting you to give it a five. I, uh, I like to keep the, like to keep the listeners guessing. So out of curiosity, what would have made it a five for you? There's just like certain elements that I love so much about like her previous albums. Got it. That just like, I, I almost wish there was more. Maybe that's it. I feel like there could have been there could have been more. It's but, a short album. It's it's ten songs. Like we were talking about like ceremonials and stuff. Like there's there's certain things that like I love so much about OG Florence. And again, like this album is so different and it should be so different. But there's like certain things that I I think I just miss. Uh okay, so four and a half out of five. I went into prepping for this recording session 
being like, all right, this is an album that I love. It's going to be real easy to prep for. I did not expect the raw emotional attachment that then came out as I was making my notes and doing all my prep. And especially because of my experiences uh, as of late with dating and, and all of that, it just like brought all these feelings to light that I don't think I would have appreciated when I listened to the album prior to that. So I'm going to give it a, it's got to be a five for me. It's got to be a five for me. Honestly, like I, I give out fives apparently all the fucking time on the podcast, but I'm the host. It's my podcast. So screw you guys. I love this album. My rating is the highest it's been on the show of my two, two appearances. I think it has because you gave Enema of the State a four. And I freaking love, I feel like I'm a hard marker. But yeah, no, this is going to be, you're going to have to come back. We got to find you a perfect five, Carrie. I'm so excited. I can't wait to come back. Thank you. I will like, let's just take a moment to say thank you for coming and doing this episode via zoom. I'm so appreciate you having me back. It's so nice to see you virtually through the screen. I miss you so much. And, um, it's just nice. It is really just nice to have you back on the pod. Again, it took you 17 episodes for you to come back and I'm so excited you're back. I'm very glad to be here. Hopefully it won't take as many to come back. 